We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wandering and Boonurong people of the Kulin Nations. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. This country we now call Australia is home to hundreds of nations who have cared for and managed the land for more than 65,000 years. Colonisation is an ongoing process that continues to this very day. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be. Aboriginal land. In the heat of the discussion, welcome everyone to another episode of Loud, Angry, and Not Sorry, where we talk about news, current events from a feminist perspective. My name's Leah, and this week I am joined by Carly. Hello. Hi. Uh, for some of you more astute listeners, you may realise that Carly is indeed. Not Daniela. Danny has been taken away from us by the deathly claws of capitalism. And to be honest, that's fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) We've all got rent to pay. Yeah, yeah. There's a song in that. We've all got bills to pay. (laughs) I got the capitalism blues. (laughs) Is that even a minute? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think you need to sing the theme song. But anyway, we'll continue. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. Massive thank you to Daniela for all the work that she's put into this podcast and her incredible, amazing perspectives. Like, low-key certain she'll be back on because she said she was going to be when she's, like, more time and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Moment silent. Pour one out. Effort for respect. Those are all my internet references that I know. Uh, yeah, just a massive thanks to Danny. Yeah, she was an absolute joy to listen to. She still exists, Carly. She is, a is, not a was. I mean, <laughs> on the podcast, she will once again soon be a joy to listen to. <sighs> we we cannot wait for that day. Uh, so um, for those of you who are not aware, it's NADOC week. So this year's theme is always was, always will be. And it's recognising that First Nations people have occupied and cared for this continent for over 65,000 years. And and how many years has it taken for white settlers to ruin this land? But what are we at, 250? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? Nice. Great. Yeah. Not at all. I shouldn't even say that sarcastically. It's awful. No, it's fucking disgusting. So we just wanted to take a moment at the top of the show. Like, we always do the acknowledgement of country, but it's also important to uh, make sure that we are listening to the voices of Indigenous people and consuming media by Indigenous people. So we're going to include in the show notes a bunch of good resources for everyone to go and follow and read. And um, we're also going to include some places that you can go to pay the rent because uh, we shouldn't only be doing it during NADOC week, but NADOC week is a good time to remember to make sure that you are paying the rent and it's something that you're doing regularly. I once heard uh, Lydia Thorpe say that everyone should be paying the rent every time they hear an acknowledgement of country or a welcome to country um, because it's more than just saying it's actually doing and these are the things we should be thinking about. My favourite thing about NADOC week, I think, is Kira Janali, who is a good friend of mine but also... Meme royalty. Just a legend. I don't think... Oh, yeah, not monarchy. Yeah, fuck the monarchy. A meme legend. <laughs> also currently being a bit sort of known for writing political smut, which is amazing. <laughs> 
But my favorite oh, yeah. thing, my favorite thing about NADOC Week is their response to NADOC Week. They get so excited. They refer to it as Black Christmas. I don't know. Maybe it's because I love this person so much. Their face is just full of joy. It's also a really cool time for First Nations people, which is amazing. And that's all it needs to be. Like it doesn't even mm. like. I I feel like sometimes we we're just like, oh, it's NADOC Week. This is a really cool time for me to go and learn about First Nations people. When it's not like as white people, sometimes we can't help but center ourselves. Yeah. Like this isn't for us like this is yeah. also cool also go give money to organizations like pay the rent especially uh jabberong embassy which are really under strife at the moment so they not only need your dollars but your bodies and any donations like physical literal donations that you can that you can afford whether that be food whether that be blankets whatever they might need up on camp but especially bodies uh speaking of like supporting first nations organizations this is a terrible segue but oswald snack pod interviewed uh lydia thorpe a couple of weeks ago about what's happening at our Japwaring Embassy at the moment. So go check that out. But also, uh, Carly and I accidentally took over their podcast. <laughs> so you should also go check that out as well. You know, chuck them a like, give them a follow. <laughs> We're doing some very circular referencing here where um, I, I do a bit where I talk about something that we talked about on Loud Angry and Not Sorry when I was the guest host and they acknowledge Loud Angry and Not Sorry and now we're just handing it right back. It's just, yeah, it's a we're circle just passing way. that ball around. It's, oh, sure. I was going for a sports metaphor. But <laughs> <laughs> it's only, I can only do, I don't know sports. <laughs> Uh, yes, highly recommend listening to Snack Pod. It's uh, always a great podcast. Uh, Not as many week... masturbation references, though. <laughs> but yeah, this week, go listen, you get a double dose of Leah and Carly. So good way to dip your toe into that pool. <laughs> um, I talk about slut walk and stuff. That was good. I liked Yes, your interview was excellent. Oh, I'm not going to go that far. I spoke about slut walk and yeah, that was good. It's always nice to, to have a yell about that sort of stuff. Sorry, a couple of weeks ago, we spoke about the budget and the women's economic statement. And since then, we've done a little, 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 little deep dive. We've done a tiny little dive into... A shallow dive, if you will. Yeah. We're very lucky we didn't break our necks in this deep dive. It was not... The waters were not very deep. But we pulled out some of... Just a few bits that we really wanted to talk about and just share uh, how little is actually in this 60-page document. There's a lot of really great graphic, and that's 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 a lot of it. Um, but before we get into that uh we just wanted to acknowledge um how shit covid has been for people who experience intimate partner violence and family violence all these other names that refer to violence at home and we just wanted to acknowledge how shit it is for these people in this situation with during covid where there's been no other option but to stay at home so we have done an interview with casey gambling from honey trap a little later on in the show and she talks about her new immersive theater piece stay at home it's a self-guided audio work for you to experience alone in your home on your phone it sounds so powerful oh it's incredible yeah carly we don't need to worry about that because this this economic statement is is our saving grace the solution to all of our problems absolutely and you know that it's really it's really been designed to be effective when it's got someone like maurice Payne at the helm <laughs> 
so those who don't know Maurice Payne, much like a lot of people from England who were named after their occupation, uh, she is a Payne. <laughs> Maurice Payne, Payne by name, Payne by nature. <laughs> so the Liberal government has a really great track record when it comes to selecting a minister for women. Maurice Payne is no exception. I mean, just look at her voting record. It's absolutely stellar. Yeah. So enhancing online safety for children and re- revenge porn, she, she voted no, which is obviously the, in, in the w- best interests of women. Yeah. That's what you want to see on the resume for a minister for, for women. Absolutely. She voted for in favour of prioritising religious freedom. Great. Mm. Yeah, notoriously good for women. The church. When they were voting on increasing the age pension, she voted no. Like, thank you. Thank you. Mm. I mean, I just don't think enough women are retiring into poverty because their superannuation is so low. So I think that's great that we've decided not to increase. I think that, like, as someone who, I mean, this was in, like, before she became Minister for Women, most of this stuff. So it's it's very clear that she has the track record that the Liberal Party is after when it comes to women's safety and women's progress. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's it's astounding. And when there was, uh, they were looking at a royal commission into violence and abuse against people with disabilities, she voted against that as well because, you know, people with disability are absolutely disproportionately affected by sexual violence. And of those people who experience sexual violence, a vast majority of those are women. So obviously that's something that a minister for women would vote against. Like it just yes. makes sense, especially in the Liberal Party. It just makes sense. But you're forgetting the most powerful piece of her resume, that she was the first woman to lead the Young Liberals. Leah, this is what we need in a Minister for Women. What a groundbreaker. What what an just incredible activist and boundary pusher she must have been as a woman in the young libs for them to elect her as a leader yeah quite often i will talk about what people perceive the right kind of woman to be and the wrong kind of woman to be i would consider myself in the eyes of a lot of people in the liberal party conservatives centrists even a lot of men on the left consider me to be the wrong kind of woman i think this really highlights that maurice Payne is what people consider the right kind of woman to be Mm. so yeah these women are women who uphold uphold the status quo they're not challenging anything they're not causing disruptions they're not trying to make things better but they are um tokens that these parties can use to make themselves look like they're being the acceptable amount of progressive while actually just continuing to support the same ideals they've always held Mm. and i mean absolutely this is maurice Payne being a pain Uh, It kind of, like what we're saying at the moment kind of goes against what I was saying about, was it last week or the week before, where I was sort of having a dig at philosophy bros, like criticising women for not being feminists. I I think my problem with with that is more, uh, like absolutely criticise them, but as men it's not your place to criticise women for acting within the system. But our job as feminists and people who are being directly affected by these people, whereas it's just men who are actively benefiting from the system, being like, you're a shit feminist, that's totally uncool, but we're allowed to do it, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I think, especially when we're talking about the minister for women, like this is the minister who represents us. We have every right to be like, you aren't the person I want representing me. No, absolutely. But also I think it's okay for men to be like, this is the minister for women, are you sure? But also at the same time to criticise her specifically, 
I don't think is particularly helpful. Like, I mean, you know, it's fine. Don't don't get me wrong. But we can't forget about the fact that she is a part of a system. So she is being consistently rewarded for having these views and being this person. And she perceives that as a measure of safety for herself. And I think that's something that we really need to make sure that we, when we're calling her a shit fucking piece of shit which she is we also need to remember she's a small part of a bigger system that rewards women for doing exactly what you were just saying before about like not rocking the boat yeah we do have to talk about the gender pay gap though yes (laughs) because i'm just looking at this page and we'll drop a link in the show notes but um maurice Payne voted very strongly against decreasing the gender pay gap just absolutely delicious because uh in I think it's a statement directly from the media release from Payne. Uh, She explicitly says that one of the really significant things, a direct quote from her, one of the really significant things that was happening pre-COVID is that the gender pay gap was at a record low. Brags about that, has a big moment about it. But actually, in terms of her policies, what was it? She voted against reducing it? Uh, Yes, very strongly against great cool awesome superannuation inequality in 2020 this is she was absent didn't even show up motions superannuation gender gap and low income earners no uh motions health inquiry into unpaid care absent thank you really representing the community equal opportunity equal opportunity for women in the workplace amendment bill 2012 second reading agree with the bill's main idea no Get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just, you just get the vibe that this person hates women. So in 2012, motions, commission on the status of women, end discrimination and gender-based violence. What, how could you vote against that? Why is that something that you should, you think should exist? And then on top of that, how do you vote against that and then become the minister for women? Well, because the Liberal Party values. I know. Yeah, yeah. But, but. Horrifying. But she's she doesn't consider herself to be a liberal. She considers herself to be a small L liberal, which is very different. Her political position is that from a 2008 interview, she says, I am a small L liberal. I am a member of the Liberal Party. I have always called myself a small L liberal. If I had wanted to be a conservative, I would have gone to London and joined the Conservative Party. First of all, we really wish you had of. Second of all, imagine like having such a hard on for gas and coal, hating women this much, hating people with disability this much, and then being like, I'm I'm a libertarian. <laughs> it's just it's it's really fascinating the way she's identifying and categorizing herself. I mean, it's... my linguistics pants are getting on because I'm just like, how do you define these words or do you just understand that you actually need to make these weird, bland, non-existent positions for yourself within the greater political compass? in order to make sure that you, again, don't rock the boat, that you are yeah. doing everything you can to be right in the middle, right in the middle of, of all of it, so that you're never the one that's picked out from the group, that's noticeably doing something that might upset someone. That's such a woman thing. It's such a woman thing. But also 
but in par- and stark parallel to that, in not wanting to stand out, she's also in federal politics. Yes. So it's such a bizarre position to take. It's, it's ego. It's just, it's like getting the ego of... I'm in the Liberal Party, so I am a Liberal, is like nothing. It's like, do you think that everyone who is in the Greens Party is literally a Green person? Like, I don't know. What does she think happens to people who join Flux? Like, do they just sort of, like, become, like, a warbling image? Like, what? Oh, I hate her so much. Carly, why um, does she exist? The great thing about this media release is that we just got to hear from a whole bunch of the women in the Liberal Party. (laughs) We had um, Social Services Minister Anne Rustin say that every single measure in this budget is available for women. Women are people, and the budget's written for people, Leah. (laughs) Um, um hey they put 64 million dollars into school chaplains right they yeah. teach women they teach women that they're not as good but they still teach women yeah look this it's feminist like obviously it's inclusive of women yeah yeah no that's that's so true parks women breathe air and benefit from trees women like to sit under trees and breathe oxygen. So obviously that's feminist initiative. Carly, they invested in missiles. Those missiles are for women. <laughs> They're feminist missiles, okay? They'll kill women too. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Look, look, I just, that, it's, you can't argue with facts. Yeah, it sounds facts. like you've been talking to employment That's not Minister feelings, Carla. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me and me and Michaelia were like, you know, thick as thieves. Yeah, (laughs) because if you drive on roads as a woman, you'll benefit from the infrastructure. Obviously, if you're in the workforce and you pay tax, you get a tax break as a woman. Just because women earn 14% less than men doesn't mean that it's not any less feminist initiative to have a taxation system. Gina Reinhart is like one of the most wealthiest women in the country. So she's obviously, I just used up all my sarcasm on that section and <laughs> yeah, it, my brain, my brain hurts. And, oh, um, yeah, Michaelia Cash can go fuck herself. Imagine being the minute, like when she was the minister for women, she was, she was absent when we were voting on the universal abortion bill. That just didn't show up. Didn't think that was really nah, important. No, that's not the place of the Minister for Women. So Women at Work is this program that they've announced as part of their economic statement for women. And let me tell you, you Google Women at Work, there is nothing about this budget. But even before we, like, get into that, like, they've got, like, a forward that they have on the website to, to be like, this is Maurice Payne's, like, initial statement. It reads as if, like, that's the statement. But there's also, like, a PDF that you can click through. When you click through, it brings you to another website which says Maurice Payne's statement again. And then you click into the PDF and you actually get to download the PDF. And it has that same fucking statement again. And guess what the emphasis is on? Like, this might shock you considering the government. And, like, mm-hmm. obviously, that Maurice Payne is a small L liberal. So she's very progressive. Yeah. Guess what the focus of the economic statement is on? 
roads. Yes. No, it's it's <laughs> getting women back to work. Like that's that's the aim of this statement. And remember it's a statement. It's not a policy. It's not anything that's concrete. There's nothing there's no actual promises. This is just it's essentially a massive fucking brochure. It's it's all it is. With some yeah. like you said before, some some buzzwords. Scotty from marketing. Oh, what a shitting cunt. <laughs> fucking hell. Uh yeah, so like I did a, I did a, a, a shallow swim into the this sixty page <laughs> document that's incredibly incredibly repetitive. It's got this. So again, it breaks down into a few categories. One of them is expand women's leadership and development. Awesome, let's do that. So what are we doing? Boosting female founders. This is a grant that is worth between twenty five k and four hundred and eighty k. Like that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I click through to be like, hey, I might do this. I'm a woman. I'm a leader. I want to be some development. And it was like, no, sorry, submissions have closed. <laughs> sure. So it definitely belongs in the um, budget in, from in, yeah, yeah from 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another bit that they mention Australia Australia Future Women in STEM, which again I googled, and there is fucking nothing in the universe that exists under this except within this document. <laughs> Um, I did find a 2020 action plan for advancing women in STEM, which was released on International Women's Day. Guys, aww, cute. They really Uh, do love women. Yeah, but also, again, it's a fucking action plan and it's an initiative. It's not policy. It's not anything set in stone. So they put aside $25.1 million to assist 500 women through STEM industry cadetships or advanced advanced apprenticeships. Mm. I'm trying to – what's $25 million divided by 500? It's going to be some rich, rich science women out there, like really. But, of course, you just know that this money is not actually going direct to those 500 women it's going into a program which is called sage which is science australia gender equity which is only being funded between 2021 and 2022 it doesn't there's a lot of words that say not a great deal but essentially it's like lots of funding and monitoring (laughs) this one thing they're they're going to introduce research proposals that are gender neutral which is really going to get to the crux of the problem (laughs) there's nothing about boys clubs or gaslighting or mansplaining or any of the other shit that we experience at work nothing about that it's just like but if we make research proposals gender neutral sorted have you watched hollow men it's this show that talks about like sort of the staffers behind the like the prime minister and things and how they actually come up with policy and stuff and how they get themselves into situations and how they get themselves out of situations that nothing actually happens Mm. this this i swear to god this is a fucking episode of this show so anonymizing something doesn't actually work. It doesn't make it anonymous. We can still identify a lot of features about someone by their writing, even if they don't have a name attached to it. So this is a huge thing in linguistics is like language attitudes and especially sociolinguistics, the area I'm in, there's a lot of conversation about how women speak versus how men speak. And when I say that, I don't mean, of course, I'm not a biological essentialist or anything. I'm talking about the way that we are socialized into community and therefore the way that we communicate in situations like this. If someone gave you two documents and you had to gut feeling guess what their gender was, you would probably guess correctly. Yeah, it's, it's that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
especially in a context where you are like a research proposal, you're trying really hard to actually present yourself. Mm. And this is one of the huge areas that we see a massive difference between the way a man will present themselves and the way a woman will present themselves. Because the big one that people often talk about is that women are more likely to say that their team does really good work and a man's more likely to say, I do really good work. So if you're looking to give money to someone... (laughs) Do you give money to the person who talks about how good they are or do you give money to the person who talks about how good everyone around them is? And don't answer that, Leah, because I know we would both give money to the person who's, like, got a great community and is bragging about how good their community is. But we're not the people who get to give out money. But that just makes sense to me. Like, if... But that's why a lot of... Whenever I read things like this or um, things about quotas, it is not actually going to make a difference because the people at the top are still the same people making these choices. So they're going to make the choices that even if they diversify, I say with scare quotes, they're Uh still going to be diversifying by bringing people in who support their worldview and their ideologies. Yeah. So they're going to, they're just going to get like seven different types of Maurice Payne. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Quotas, I, I, I still support them because they're better oh, I than do nothing. Too. But I think, first of all, you're right. They're just going to employ the people who aren't going to rock the boat. And then second of all, those women are still going to experience the sexual harassment, the, the mansplaining, the condescension, all that stuff I spoke about just before. That's not going to go away. And nothing in this statement actually addresses that the underlying culture and how we treat women and how we disrespect women none of that is addressed in here you can't just throw money at a problem and it goes away you might win votes and you might people will be like have something to point out and be like yeah look at all the things that they're doing for women this again is a statement that says fuck all fuck all how much of how much money did they give to people with disability oh no they uh actively took money away from the NDIS and have only redistributed a small portion of the money that they took away. From a program that was fucked to start with, and that's, I think that's actually Labor, that's not even entirely the Liberal government. Yeah. Uh, It's fucked to start with, it's inaccessible, and it's weird, and it's confusing, and it's designed essentially to stop people from accessing the system. If that's not fucking genocide, I don't know what is. Like, get fucked. Is it genocide or is it eugenics? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ableism. So in the in this budget, no, in the nineteen in the twenty nineteen to twenty twenty budget, the Morrison government cut four point six billion dollars out of the NDIS. And then in this budget, they've only put back one point five billion. So yeah, pretty pretty strong statements about how they value people with disabilities, but um, in terms of what we're looking at here, like women Do you think are, this is them playing to their base? Like do they really think that people hate women and people with disability and First Nations people? Do people really hate that much that they are, are happy to see like disabled people just having money taken from them while they're giving money to investors or whatever like building like the kitchen renovation packages and all of these incentive programs to boost the economy what's actually boosting the economy well as as per this budget what is boosting the economy 
is taking away from people that literally need essential services. So once again, they're saying that we will sacrifice the disabled, we will sacrifice the poor, we will sacrifice the elderly to boost the economy. I think for a lot of the supporters, it's that this narrative has been constructed and constantly reinforced where um, welfare recipients are, A, lucky to be receiving it, which, no, it should be a given that we support everyone in our society. But part of that is that then we get these horrible things about, like, having um, the card. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the Indu card. Yeah, because, like, you're lucky to be getting any money. So, and (sighs) these kind of narratives, and then, like, the stories about people who, like, call themselves up by their bootstraps and those people who genuinely believe that they got to where they are by working incredibly hard and that privilege and luck had nothing to do with it. For them to continue to value their worldview and themselves as much as they do, they also have to buy in to this idea that people on welfare deserve to be in the position they're in. Because if they don't buy into that, then that's their whole worldview shaken to the core. But could we just a little bit give them a quick shake? Uh, But similarly, we also had... um, So I should should mention here, uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm looking at came from this wonderful document. I say wonderful, again, sarcastically. It's hard to be sarcastic on a podcast. I'm learning. Um, a document from Labor called the Women's Budget Statement. And this is part of the tradition that was started in 1984, was it? So the Women's Budget Statement was something uh, first produced under the Hawke government in 1984. And it was discontinued by... Prime Minister Tony Abbott, who was also the Minister for Women in 2014. What a hero. Oh. Thanks, Tones, you femo. I'm so glad he told me to iron more. Maybe that's why yeah. I have such a strong aversion to ironing. I mean, <laughs> it's also just the worst task in the world. But... <laughs> I literally <laughs> will not buy clothes that require ironing. Absolutely not. <laughs> so in this uh, document from Labor, my I hate, I hate it, I hate it so much that on the front page... There's a picture that I'm assuming is all of the women from the Labor Party with Anthony Albanese standing in front of them doing finger guns or some weird kind of gestures he, if he's attempting to hug the camera. He it's, looks he looks like a used car salesman being like, look at all my cars. <laughs> yeah. It, or it looks like an ad for like some small budget company that's like, we're a family here. But it just looks so icky because it's just him in a sea of women. And it's Yeah. Look at oh. all my women. It's like the binders of women. I've got loads of women. Binders yeah. full of women. Like Yeah. And then of course the budget has this like hand scrawled font throughout it that has very uh. like um wellness influencer vibes to it. <laughs> <laughs> Live, laugh, love, dance, <laughs> dance like nobody is watching. This document was uh, quite good at like summarizing just how terrible a job they have done with this budget for women. And they also point out that for Indigenous women, there is again nothing. Yeah, but what has Labor ever done for Indigenous women? True. Like, well, what the fuck have you done, mate? Like, you're no better. Yeah. Hundred percent. They also suck. Yeah, like like really, really like a not even an effective suck. It's like when your your vacuum is on like almost about to die and it won't pick up all the <laughs> dust. Like that is how badly they suck. Like it's just yeah. oh, 
the state of politics in this country is really, really depressing. And what is available for women and will actually literally support women is so depressing. And people talk constantly about the need for, like, incremental change. It's fucking bullshit. Like, it's such bullshit. Like, where was was incremental change when Australia was colonised? When I was sexually assaulted, where was my incremental change? I am so sick of the people who were worst affected by this legal system. We're the ones that have to allow for incremental change while the people in power are just, like, just essentially just tossing carrots at us. And even the carrots are mostly rotten as well. Like, there's nothing good about this. It also just doesn't have to be incremental because if we look at one of the things that's been talked about a lot and that the government has done this year is the Job Ready Graduates legislation, which will absolutely affect women more than it will affect men. It's targeting the industries where women study and where women work. Mm -hmm. And as someone who has spent the last 12 years in universities, scares me so much what what this will do to our state of higher education. But they brought Mm. this in quickly. This wasn't incremental. They decided overnight that, well, I mean, they had to fight a little bit to get it there, but these cuts and the debts, they're just going to affect so many people, especially women, on such an enormous level. Like, it it annoys me and upsets me so much that I can't even verbalise it. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know, yeah. Um, I was reading the Australian Bureau of Statistics, as you know, one wants to do, um, and there were some statistics around uh, uh, income levels after graduating from university. So women, the percentage of women who actually enter university and graduate with not only diplomas but further tertiary education like masters or postgraduates or whatever, the, the percentage of women who go on to do that is much higher than the percentage of men. However, the graduate salaries, it's much higher for men than it is for women. Mm-hmm. Even though, and you know, the, the successful job rates and all this kind of stuff, much higher for men than it is for women. Even though there's more women who are more trained, men still earn more money and are more successful financially. Yep. So that, that's, that surprises literally no one. So then this also means that for graduates from the arts who are more women than men, they are going to be graduating with higher debt, knowing that they're going to be going into a lower paid job and they're also going to be facing a superannuation gap at retirement. And And look, it's a good thing that our Minister for Women just like supported us through that and like voted against both the gender pay gap and increasing the age pension. Like cheers. Yeah. What a sister. Yeah. For for life. Yeah. Pain for life. She is a pain <laughs> for our lives. <laughs> oh, it's, it's not just the wage gap. It's the, the superannuation gap as well. Yeah. I mean, look, I took money out of my super because I am poor, but also because I don't think – like, I do like super as a concept. I don't think we should have to have super, though. Yes, agreed. The I think – the age pension should be high enough to support anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think rich people or poor people should get it. I think everyone should be able to access that money. Yeah. Um, I, I have literally no, I don't, I don't care. I also don't think that billionaires should exist. I, that's something that I would like to see the end of. Yes. Um, 
I won't go into the the methods in which I choose to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> but just you know, no one no one needs to be a billionaire. No one needs to be a millionaire. To be honest, like the government and our taxation system, our welfare system should support everyone, and it shouldn't be about like the rhetoric shouldn't be around like oh we need to encourage people to work and that kind of stuff because people want to work. Like work can be a very meaningful thing for people to do. Like I've been out of work for a little while now and even though you could probably argue I've not actually been, um, I've been very, you know, very busy doing things. But the problem with that is that it, it's not generating my, me an income, mm. which to me is not actually the problem, but the government sees that as a problem. I'm not, I'm, my labour is not contributing to the economy Therefore, it's the wrong type of work that I'm doing, even though it's it's building communities and it's, you know, creating networks and supporting women, supporting the work that I've done isn't isn't the type of work that the government thinks that I should be doing, essentially, Yeah. which is, you know, nursing or cleaning. That's that's much more meaningful than, you know, events for gender diverse people. Like, yeah. imagine that. Anyway. I would also oh. like to, we, I, I'm not going to be able to go into the depth that I want to on this today, but the concept of laziness is something that I've had a problem with for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> that's totally fine. Because uh, I feel like it is a product of uh, capitalism and diet culture in the way that we currently talk about laziness. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? How fat phobia yeah. like actually creeps into all aspects of our our cultural norms. I guess. Yeah. Like the yeah the few yeah no I totally and, agree. Yeah, but anyway, that, that's a conversation for another time. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, I I went through, sorry just jumping back to the the budget. Yeah. Like there's there is a heap of like initiatives in here like. There's this women's leadership and development program, yeah? And the five, is it five areas? There's five areas. Women's economic security, women's workforce participation, women's leadership, women's safety, and international engagement. So you get like um, an, an allocated, you get like some, some funding every year between 2020 to 2023 for each financial year. Do you want to know how much money you get to do all of those five things? How much? 2020 to 2021, you get $3,389. It's even better in 2021 to 2022. You get $3,421. Whoa, $32 I raise. Look, yep. Oh, that's that's yep. more than a dollar a fortnight, Leah. It's, it's like don't spend it all at once because yes. between 20... 22 to 2023, you'll get $3,482. Oof, an extra 61. Really? Yeah. Really Look, went out? Yeah. Inflation. Yeah. Inflation. Anyway, <laughs> so that's just, I don't I don't even know. I, like, why did they even put that in the document? Like, it's surely it would cost more to print this brochure <laughs> than what they're actually giving women to support them through those, like, huge... <laughs> <laughs> work economic security we're yeah. gonna give you three grand <laughs> go oh. eat a bag of dicks you pieces of fucking shit anyway but what they have done is they've um provided some extra funding to beam australia which is um an organization that promotes flexible work 
It is essentially a fucking temp agency with a really nice website. It's what? Like, why are you funding private temp agencies? What? How is that? I think you answered the question when you said private. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking neoliberal cunt stains. Like, fucking hell. Anyway, so I was getting really mad by this stage. Like, there was a few other things in there that I just get fucked. Fucking fuckers. Fuck, 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 fuck. Anyway, fucking fucks. Yeah, so I was a bit angry. So I just controlled (laughs) F. I did a control F and I run a search for sexual violence. Just to see, because they do, in that that statement that Maurice Payne, like, published in, like, 80,000 places, Mm. uh, she does talk about, you know, like, COVID has affected women and uh, there's been an increase in sexual violence and there's been an increase in image-based violence and online harassment and blah, blah, and et cetera. And, oh, my God, it's a really hard time for women at home. Like, you know, domestic violence is on the rise. Like, it's, you know, they acknowledge and they recognise. So um, guess what initiatives they they um, have implemented for this 2020 economic statement? Oh, hopefully they've... Fucking none, mate. Zero. Oh, mm. Yeah. They're all from 2018, which are just ongoing. Oh. Cool. Also, yeah. you should we should probably mention as well that this, this statement was written prior to COVID. So this statement Oof. is literally the Liberal government have gone, fuck, we've got to mention women. Is there anything that we got on women? Hey, can someone just search the hard drive? Oh look, we've got an economic that'll do. That'll do. That'll mention women. That'll that'll do it. And they drive on roads. That's all we need to do. Shit any cunts. Um, yeah, the only thing that they mentioned that is new is another fucking at symbol. So respect at work, but all that (laughs) is, is implementing key findings from the AHRC report, which again, implementing findings from a commission, uh, means fucking nothing because they've not allocated funds. They don't even have, you know, how they always like to do task force and, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing. They're just going to implement the key findings. Which we know they won't. Well, um, in the PDF from Labor, they said that uh, after an inquiry by the AHR- AHRC into sexual harassment in the workplace, uh, there were 55 recommendations which the government could implement immediately, and this budget only contains support for one of them. Which one was that? Because I'm shocked there's one. Yeah, I, I tried to get more details, but shockingly... The document was... <laughs> I mean, Shakara, really, really difficult to access and read. When I say access, I don't mean physically find. I mean, I, it, it was annoying to find, but I mean to understand, comprehend, analyse what the document was trying to say. It was incredibly difficult, which they do intentionally because they don't want us to understand what they're saying. All they want us to know is that they've made a document. Yeah. They don't want us to read it. They don't want us to inspect it or analyse it. And they certainly do not want us asking questions in five years about, well, what have you done with this? Yeah. Like, uh, I think Labor's mental health plan. I looked at that a couple of years ago, and especially when I was working in eating disorders, and I'm just like, well, what what have you done for it? Like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is nothing. Mm -hmm. You've done none of this. A lot of it is um, the money that they say that they're going to put into a service. They don't actually directly put it into a service. They put it into, like, a governing body that's going to oversee a service. So the actual boots-on-the-ground workers don't see any of this money. Or if we do, we might get some new posters put up. But it doesn't result in more staffing. It doesn't result in uh, better facilities. 
So very early in the pandemic, the Commonwealth Government committed $150 million for COVID-19 domestic and family violence support packages. The states and territories received $130 million under this package to provide additional targeted support and relevant to their local communities. Um, look, I'm not great at maths, but it looks to me like there's $20 million missing from that. Uh, Morrison. Brad Burke, we've got some questions. We want some answers. Yeah, what well, the fuck? It, it costs $20 million to distribute $150 million. Obviously, it's got to go through some accountants. It's got to go through some hands. People look, have got to be paid. Look, women are accountants too. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Awful. But did they really just think we wouldn't notice though? Yeah. It, oh. they, they talk about it though and they know what an issue this is. So I think they just are relying on the fact that we're just like the government knows. The government is talking, actively talking about how uh, family violence has increased during, during COVID. So obviously they would have done something about it. Obviously, but no, literally no. 2018. Um, this is probably a good, let's go to Casey's interview. Yeah. It's really funny, actually. It's really quite cute because, well, I don't know if cute's the right word, but Casey is actually my older brother's best friend's younger sister. So we actually knew each other growing up. Lovely. We used to play Sylvanian families together. <laughs> but now... Uh, so Casey Gambling is a theatre maker and performer interested in creating feminist site-specific works that explore the link between place and oppressed and marginalised voices. Casey wrote and directed The Maze, a site-specific walk allowing a single audience member to witness firsthand the fear and paranoia of one woman walking alone at night. The Maze won Melbourne Fringe New South Wales Tour Ready Award and Summer Hall Awards, as well as the Adelaide Adelaide Fringe John Chataway Innovation Award. Casey is an AFID Supermassive 2020 studio artist and a recipient of the Ian Potter Cultural Trust, which will allow her to visit the UK for mentorship in the creation of site-specific and digital works. Casey is a co-founder of Melbourne Collective The Honey Trap. Welcome, Casey, you award-winning legend. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. No worries. Uh, tell us about your new show, Stay at Home. Uh, yeah, so uh, back in April, was it, when the Stay at Home orders came oh, uh, nice. into place? What is time anymore? What is time? Um, I was quite, it, it just struck me that it wasn't as easy for everyone to stay at home and that staying at home in itself is a, a privilege uh, and that, yeah, home isn't necessarily the safest place for everyone. Um, for some people, getting to leave the house and go to work or go anywhere is like quite life saving. And I really wanted to make a piece that reflected on that. So, mm. so this work looks at how the pandemic affects those who are experiencing domestic violence. Um, and so, it's a work for you to experience alone uh, in your home. It's an audio work. You pop your headphones in and just listen to the directions and move. The directions will ask you to move around your house and do tasks in your home while reflecting while reflecting on the experience of, of domestic violence, especially in a in a time like now. So this work asks 
participants to look at their home, which in especially in Melbourne, they're no doubt very familiar with uh, by now, but I wanted them to look at their home uh, in a different light and and consider how your home could be used to control you or potentially enact violence oh, wow. uh, upon you. Um, so that sounds very intense and obviously it is, but it's actually kind of a, it's actually quite a quiet work. It's not big loud arguments or, or anything like that, but that doesn't make it obviously any less serious or intense. No, absolutely. Your last show that you put on with The Honey Trap, The mm-hmm. Maze, mm-hmm. Um, did something very similar with that immersive art yeah yeah Yeah. immersive and site specific uh so the maze was for one person at a time set in north melbourne set on the street Mm. um and again it was an audio focused work i would give you some earphones and say you're going to follow this woman on her walk home who is an actor and you would watch how she is harassed on the street by other people who are also actors and effectively kind of listening to her internal monologue uh, as she walks home um oh wow yeah that gives me chills just thinking about it (laughs) yeah I mean it was yeah it was kind of humbling to uh have so many people come back to me so many women and people who experience misogyny come back to me and say this was a really accurate reflection of of what we experienced so that was um obviously sad but um mm. really nice to get that feedback but it really um really showed me that I enjoyed making these kind of works for small audiences or single audiences these kind of individualized experiences I think mm. is what I learned from making that that this is um interesting to me even though I like everyone else right now, very much miss sitting in a dark theatre, surrounded by people and having like a group theatrical experience is amazing. But I kind of got really interested in that one-on-one or small audience um, Mm. experiences. And so, yeah, you're right, this work um, uh, is in the same vein in that way. Mm. What was the response from men? Great question. Um, So it was so interesting. It was it was right across the board. Um, because I would ask you to follow a woman, I would tell you about how far to stay behind her so you didn't lose her, but also you weren't too close to her. Um, they felt really uncomfortable, which was great, which is yes. exactly what I wanted them to feel. <laughs> um, some people stayed so far behind her that they were kind of missing the show almost because they felt so uncomfortable, which again, um, I liked that they felt uncomfortable, but they they were kind of getting too far behind. So a a lot of um, men reflected that back to me, which was kind of great to be able to give them that experience. But at the same time, I had someone, a friend of mine who didn't tell me directly, told another friend who passed it on to me, told them that um, they just didn't think it was that bad. I mean, this was a cis white straight man. They just, they just didn't think it was really that bad. Like they kind of thought maybe I was exaggerating. And that, that to be honest, devastated me. I mean, when you're making work, you know that people are going to disagree with you. Not everyone's going to like it. That's part of it. I, you know, heard from other peers in my circles that they didn't like the work. And that's, of course, devastating, but that's fine. That's how it is. Yeah. But hearing, yeah, hearing that. That dismissive. Yes. That was, that was devastating to me that I couldn't get through to someone um what we experience every day as as women and and people who experience misogyny so that was much more um yeah 
upsetting to hear unfortunately. That, yeah, that's incredibly frustrating and but so typical at the same time that even mm. though we have we are out there telling our stories and this is our experience that they still don't believe us or respect our perspective. That's right. It was still just like, it can't be that bad. It's kind of overblown. Like, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just kind of, just kind of devastating too. Mm. And this is a friend, you know, and I was just like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Are they really though? <laughs> well, great point. Great point. Yeah, no, they're not like, like more of an acquaintance, but still, yeah. but still. <laughs> oh, it, it is, it's, yeah, that's incredibly disappointing. Um, so just going back to COVID and you as a performer and a producer and a creator, how has COVID affected your capacity to create? Um, yeah, so, I mean, first of all, I did not expect to be able to make something during this time. I'm not a, I, yeah, I didn't expect to be one of those creative people under these circumstances. So that was, it was kind of exciting and amazing to, to feel creatively inspired in some way to make this work, which was really nice. But I also got my most significant funding as an artist at the start of this year, which I submitted in January uh, to go to the UK in the middle of the year and, you know, be mentored by people who make site-specific and digital work. And I got funding to do that. I got two lots of funding to do that. And wow. I'd never really been funded before. So that was really exciting. And then, of course, really devastating uh, to not be able to do that. Yeah. And that's kind of put off until we can go again. So, I mean, who knows? Who knows when that will happen? So that, yeah. that, you know, that's very sad. You know, so that was that was quite disappointing. It felt like I had this momentum that is yeah. that has been disrupted, but at the same time, I've made this work. Um, so it's kind of all over the place. And as my because, unsurprisingly, making art doesn't really pay the bills. I work in a theatre at night, and so of course I don't have a job there either because the arts industry has been absolutely uh, decimated by this with no help from, of course, the federal no, government making no. lots of announcements with Guy Sebastian to no effect at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where's the money, Scott? I mean, the money was not very good to begin with. The money with. has gone to Hillsong so that they can... Oh, my God. Festival Hall. Festival Hall. Yeah, the stories I could tell the people from Hillsong about what has gone down in Festival Hall, I don't think they'd be... No, I saw some of those tweets. Very funny. <laughs> oh yeah, I think Nadine. Nadine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was the one. What a legend. So <laughs> She's so good. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah, I guess it's affected me quite a bit, as it's affected yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming to join us. Thank it was you. Great to chat. Lovely. And, thank um, you for having yeah, me. Look forward to going to your show. I got tickets for I think a Saturday at some stage. I can't remember when because I have literally no memory of anything. <laughs> what is, again, it. what is time anymore? Thank God for Google calendars. That's yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks again. Thanks so much. Thanks, Leah. So Casey's projects sound absolutely amazing. I need to jump on the website and buy tickets for her next, the project that's coming out that you said you've got tickets for? Um, yeah, I got tickets for it already. Yeah. As soon as I saw the tickets available, I'm just like, yes, I need tickets for this because I missed the maze and I was really yeah. pissed. Yeah. Uh, it was really hard to get tickets for the maze because it was that very, like one person at a time. Mm. 
so this is really cool that like essentially all you need is a phone and make sure your phone's charged <laughs> and yeah. you know you need internet on your phone your phone and some headphones and an apartment <laughs> essentially yeah 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 it sounds like it's going to be incredible I'm still really angry about that guy though like I hate to oh. like you know it's really frustrating because she talked about so many fantastic aspects and how incredible the maze was and but all I can think about is that one guy even though there were so many people who got so much out of it all I can think of is that one fucking dude who just can't handle being that uncomfortable yeah and the way Casey spoke about it the way she talks about being uh, I can't remember the exact word she used but it was like disappointed and upset that she couldn't move someone yeah and oh god that pissed me off because you just know that guy is doing that thing where he's refusing to acknowledge an issue that's there because it makes him challenge too much yeah exactly you just know it had nothing to do with Casey or Casey's work absolutely not it was just about his inability and complete refusal to engage with women's voices his willful ignorance in dealing with this issue and god it just that that moment it was just like years of all that pent-up anger of every time you've had to converse had to try and have a conversation with a man in your life about this stuff and they're just like nah nah that's not an issue nah 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 look i've spoken to one woman who said that that never happened so no (laughs) no you're making it up we do all speak through one voice and that voice is maurice Payne. I just, I remember when I was younger, like, do you remember when you have like moments of like realizing that you're a feminist? Mm-hmm. I remembered the other day, this conversation that I was having with, I think it's my, was my, I don't know who it was. It was, I think it was in high school or something. And this guy just being like, oh, you know, I went out with this one woman and she liked burgers. And then I went out with the next woman and she liked pizza. And I'm just like, I just don't understand women. And I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, it wasn't burger and pizzas, but it was like along those, like, oh, one woman liked to be hugged and the next woman didn't. And I just, you yeah. know, women are just from another planet. Like, they don't know what they want. And I'm just like, you know that, like, each woman is an indiv- individual human. No, they don't. With different wants and needs. They absolutely don't. And he don't. just looked at me like I was just like, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Again, huge conversation for another time, but, like, if you think about the impact that media has had on us, which is why things like what Casey is producing is so important, projects Mm -hmm. like what Casey is producing are so important because they actually show the Mm -hmm. depth and nuance of experience of being a woman or a person who is a marginalised person in a situation like this. Yeah they show those voices to people who wouldn't otherwise hear it because they don't, because mainstream media doesn't promote these voices. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. Like if there is a situation where a woman is walking at home at night alone, like she'll either, they'll either slut shame her or blame her. Like why was she walking out so late at night alone? Mm. Or there'll be a man who will come along and save the day. Mm. But they don't show the ongoing, long-term, psychological and often physiological effects of being terrified constantly. Yeah. And people wonder why I hate men so much. (laughs) 
I'm so I, I get so mad. I'm so angry. And obviously, when I I'm on, I don't I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I know I need to. When we talk about hating men, I don't hate men. I hate the system of men. This is like I'm I'm hating on a, a patriarchal structure, and people who are entitled, and feel entitled because they've been told their entire lives that they are entitled to women's bodies, men's bodies. Often they just they don't understand the concept of no. Yeah. Or the concept of being in fear. Mm-hmm. They think it's just often so simple to just to say no. They don't understand being disempowered. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. No, they just, it is never as simple as just saying no. Quite often, if you're in a situation where you're going to say no, particularly if it's to a sexual advance, you're planning in your head, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do it safely? Who have I got around me? Where are my exits? Mm. uh how can i defend myself like i mean it's not always that extreme but definitely certainly it quite often is yeah so often um there's a very famous uh linguistic study that looked at uh, an ad campaign in canada that was no means no and then they analyzed a bunch of conversation from women and showed that actually we don't say no we say we find other ways of saying no that yeah. are not actually the word no. Mm-hmm. So those cam- campaigns are actually quite unhelpful because that's yeah. too black and white when rejection yeah. is much more nuanced than that. It's really interesting. Working in psychiatrics, uh, we were taught to use soft language. Mm. Like, so we don't actually, we don't say no to patients. If patients come to us and be like, we want to see the doctor, I want my medication, I want this, I need that, like multiple to plans, especially if someone's like in an altered state, um, you do have to be very mindful of this because we're, you're talking about like reducing risk of violence, essentially. Mm. But if so, if someone will come to you and be like, I need this, you don't just say no, because mm. that's, that's a block. And particularly men don't respond well to the word no I'm shocked this is my shocked face so what we would like what I would always say was like look I'll see what I can do I'll do my best yeah give me a moment bear with me and all of this and I'm just like gee I'm really good at these soft words and I'm just like this is how I talk to men in bars yes we've been been socialized into it but it's not only men in bars like it's on the street yeah. yeah in most situations it's how I would talk to someone particularly men who are being intimidating or it's a situation where I have less power. That's how, that's how we communicate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about maintaining our own safety. Yeah. And that comes back to like men criticizing women for being feminist or not feminist enough or whatever. Like we can do that. We can, we can manage our own self-criticism and our own reflection and our own growth. It's not for men to tell us just, just say no, or just, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, Maurice Payne, what a shit feminist. Like, she absolutely is. But we have this. We don't need men to tell us how shit she is. We already know. We live the effects of her shitty policies and her prioritising her own safety over ours is yeah. essentially what she's doing. Her own economic safety and her own social safety, like maintaining. She's pretty much maintaining white supremacy as well. Yep. She's voting against like supporting refugee rights. She votes against First Nations staff. Like she she is an absolute piece of shit and she's absolutely not a feminist. I mean, men can criticise that aspect of her policy voting, absolutely, but they can't criticise her as a woman and they cannot criticise her for not, not being a feminist. Yeah. 
I don't know. Is that fair? I don't know if I'm being fair right now. I no, I think I I agree. I think they actually can be criticised as the minister for women. I I think that we've done quite enough for for one two nights one night. <laughs> <laughs> this may be our second go at recording this one. <laughs> First one might have been after a... Um, it was a good day. It was a lovely day. There's no longer... A, well, he's still... Trump is has been voted out of the White House. Yeah. If he actually fucking leaves, that's another story. Uh, so now America has got Biden. He's a war criminal as opposed to a pedophile. So that's 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 nice. Good, good for you. It's just a good... It was just a good day. So we've had so many days of zero cases and zero deaths in Melbourne and we've had restrictions lifting. Like, this was my first weekend where I actually felt like I had a weekend. Yeah, and it it feels like now that the... Like, not only, like, the daily cases are down, but, like, the community... Like, active cases in the community are are drastically reducing, as, as you would expect. But... Just noting, knowing that like there's less of it just floating in the atmosphere yeah. just makes me more comfortable about going out. Because I've, I'm honestly, I've been terrified of like just going to bars, like oh, and going absolutely. to pubs. Yeah. Not, not just because you know I've been in isolation for so long, but just like horny men with alcohol. Not, yeah. not in, not into it. I'm quite no. happy to get some Dan Murphy. Uncle Dan can deliver, and um, I will sit on my balcony and have a cheeky rosé. Well, and I mean, the good thing today, is so that's good. the uh, the pubs I've been into have been so socially distanced that the men just can't get anywhere near you. It's ideal. <laughs> <laughs> they try and like grab you. You know how they grab your waist as they walk past. But they're like reaching across four tables. To do <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Enforce social distancing forever. <laughs> oh yes, it's it's beautiful. Oh, what a treat. All You're right. a treat. You're a treat, Leah. This has been a You're treat. You're a treat. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure. Also, like, we're still thinking of you, Danny. We do miss you very much. Yeah. Good luck with your hamsters. <laughs> what a babe. Anyway, see ya. Bye. I never Bye. know how to sign off. Bye.